basically disappoint your parents. All right, so I've been counting down the days to get on this show because I'm really excited with who we have. But just to recap, um, what Bruja Baddies means is that we are reclaiming a negative word in the Filipino language towards panais. Yeah, and a lot of it is about um, being magical in what we do and like breaking down barriers about like what we have been told and conditioned to do or like, you know, what has been embedded within our growing up in a Filipino household, like kind of deal. Right. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have Nicole on the show. <laughs> I've been really counting down the days. We've had to reschedule several times, but we're here. Should we talk about the the whys? <laughs> I mean, we're a pretty open podcast. I mean, I'm okay with it if you are, but uh, I don't want to air out all your business. Uh, yeah, let's not. Okay. Sure. It was a sex injury. <laughs> That's valid. That is valid. So we want to start off how we always start off is how do you identify, Nicole? I identify as a non-binary, not straight, queer AF. Um, nerd. Wow. I love it. Like, so for um, our titas or titos or titax. Titties. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you explain non-binary for them? Sure. <laughs> um, I don't identify, because I'm only going to speak for myself. Um, I don't identify as man or woman. I navigate life between and around that yeah yeah well thank you for breaking down <laughs> that for you know those listening so you know typically we run this as bruja baddies but today and on a special episode we're bruja x um Bruhex. Bruhex. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for helping me out there so why did you agree to be on our show because i'm friends with y'all well i think we're friends right I mean, yeah, yeah, I got you coffee. I see an exchange of coffee, <laughs> lattes, and friendship. We help. we all follow follow each other on social media, <laughs> and we all you for the most part. If we are taking a class together, we sit in the back <laughs> and talk so much shit <laughs> so about what's happening. So I think that's what friends do: is to talk shit. <laughs> what a true blue friendship! I I mean, I live I live for it. When when I come late and there's no seat for me, I'm just like, please. Save me one. Make room for Jean. <laughs> Jean's late again. Oh my god. <laughs> so I want to ask, what are some popular um, opinions that people make about you? I don't know that I'm popular. But like, so are you talking about like misconceptions? I mean, or yeah, just generalizations you, like, about me? Like growing up as. Um, as all the things that you identify, um, what do people try to impose on you, or um, or do they support you in those as you're growing as a person? Well, I, I guess I would have to talk about like my upbringing as um, the youngest of four, but my mom's only daughter, so I had a very uh, like only child mm. upbringing. Um, so that's one thing. I, like I, I have half sisters, older half sisters who probably won't admit it, but they resent me. Mm. Um, and I grew up devoutly Mormon wow. or LDS. So that's there was a lot of othering because mm. I 
I wasn't Catholic among Filipinos and among white folks I wasn't like among white Mormons I wasn't white so there's a lot of like othering that I ex- I think that I experienced in my upbringing and also being a tomboy like mm-hmm. what that meant and how how my parents how they raised me like that had to have informed how they raised me because I wasn't really well they didn't push femininity on me mm-hmm. but um I think like there were things that I wanted to do that seemed or that they read as masculine that I could not participate in. Oh, can you give us like a example from your childhood or is there one or anything that like out? that maybe have implied that kind of like, you know, mm, Okay, so as 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 a Mormon youth. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> very rare. I need yeah, to know. Right? <laughs> Super involved. I went to girls camp every like every year until I was too old to go and so that was these summers were where I did like outdoorsy things like I would go on overnight hikes and like go zip lining and rappelling off Dang, like you guys have a budget it, well I mean <laughs> the, Mor- the Mormon ass, church so. is a very uh, <laughs> yeah they're they're good with the money it's tithing mm. it's, oh right 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 or aka that. fire insurance oh so. did they so. take like one third of like so it's well it's like 10% of your gross income <laughs> but so, that's but that's yeah. why the church is so rich Anyway, okay, I digress. Mm-hmm. So, so I have all these photos of me doing like, like rappelling next to a waterfall in Tahoe, and like all all these things, and um, like playing church ball. Like that, those were the only oh. sports that I was really encouraged to do because it was within the confines of the church. It wasn't like I had to go to school or pay X amount for a uniform and like my parents had that comfort of me being around other Mormons. So, like, they could they could leave me to my devices because right. I wasn't going to get in trouble, right? Mm. So, my dad went back to the Philippines on vacation and brought a, a photo album with him with all these photos of me because, like, I don't have a relationship, really, with right. my relatives in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And so, my I think maybe a comment that someone said to him was, like, oh, your daughter's a tomboy, or, or like, or like, say stuff like, "Is she a tomboy?" Like, mm. like very hint and and I think that like my dad was just kind of like, "Yeah, so what?" But it was more of him like a tomboy, as in like an aesthetic, and not like a lifestyle. Oh. Or yeah, or more of like a okay. yeah, yeah. Nicole's gonna end up with a nice Mormon boy one day. Oh. Yeah, like, did he think it was like a phase or something? I think they just thought that maybe it was like an aesthetic mm. and not like if I'm going to be queer I'm always going to go back to men or something like that. So there was like yeah. this hope that maybe you quote unquote grow out of it. Yeah, like all right. yeah, like a phase. That's how my parents thought about my emo phase. Exactly <laughs> go away. <laughs> so I don't know if that like if that answers. I think that answers and I I feel like I can see that too, that kind of reaction with my parents. I used to wear my brother's clothes as hand-me-downs and they would always be like, oh no, Jean's going to grow up to be a lesbian. And I didn't know the context for that because my mom actually turned out to be queer, Mm -hmm. um, but was closeted for years. So um, I think that's what she didn't want in life for me and was scared. So, I mean, do you think it's fear-based for that? Yeah, because I think my mom is 
a very God-fearing person. Mm. She almost became a nun. Wow. And, and wow. Like, so this almost became like... a Catholic nun, but then found Mormonism. Wow. And, like, really is clinging to that. So my parents are still very much involved and very devout Mormons. Um, so I think that, yeah, maybe it's fear-based because yeah. they're very God-fearing. Or at least my mom is. Well, coming from your parents, um, would you say your siblings are also, like, have they really attached a strong religious aspect as well? Is that why they resent you? No, I. so I think the resentment is because my dad raised me. Mm. And w- during while they were growing up, like, it was our grandmother that raised them. Um. So, like, he was kind of a deadbeat. Yeah. To, to them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably part of the resentment. And then maybe also having, like, an American upbringing. Oh, right. And not having to navigate, like, immigration mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, I got five half-siblings in the Philippines that hate me. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> okay. well, so, okay, so one of them for sure very much identifies as a very devout, better-than-everyone-else christian mormon for sure Mm -hmm. there's one that definitely identifies as lds but i don't think that she like she doesn't wear garments and i don't know if she goes to church every sunday i think for sure like her kids are not as devout (laughs) as maybe she would want them to be um and then the younger the youngest out of my older sisters is uh, pretty much, I think cause, because she's seen shit in her life or has experienced things that she's not as judgmental as oh. other folks may be. Mm. Wow, thank you for sharing that. So how, No problem, I hope they don't hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how would you say this has impacted your life with all this like huge like Mormon upbringing and you know kind of being an outsider throughout this? And I feel like part of that is like the inform- the how that informs your identity now. Mm. You know? Absolutely. So I think sometimes when I do talk about my Mormon upbringing, my friends that I grew up with in the church have this like, oh my gosh, is Nicole gonna like talk so much trash about the church? Mm. I mean, like they. Yes, I don't think that I have to reiterate like what patriarchy does to women or right. to folks of color. Like I, I don't. That's like a a no-brainer I would say mm-hmm. um but I think that like my the my Mormon upbringing um combined with having immigrant parents who are older mm-hmm. um definitely informs who I am today so like there's always this like I'm in a constant um decolonizing process so like not trying to like finding beauty in myself as a brown person mm-hmm. and in other brown people um, while being married to a white person. <laughs> oh, also congratulations on your marriage. Uh, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, so like decolonizing that part of myself and um, there was, like I don't, I don't know if I can say that I was a very repressed person because mm-hmm. I've always been a thirsty individual. It's like even as like a child, I was very I was, I'm thirsty. Like I do um, <laughs> tell, do tell. So I the oasis. Yeah, like so I I kindergarten already had a crush on someone. Mm-hmm. Um, like was very boy crazy in my adolescence. Like looking back at my journals, I I was just trying to find romance. And I'm also a Pisces, so that's another <laughs> thing. I'm a dreamer. 
I love romance, <laughs> but I'm not very romantic at all. Um, and just finding a lot of pleasure in like rom coms and all. Mm-hmm. So like, so deconstructing. So I guess like now my Mormon upbringing or like being the daughter of immigrants or being this the child. I'm not a child. <laughs> Offspring? Offspring. Offspring. Yeah, that's a good Of word. immigrants or having immigrant <laughs> parents. Um, I guess, yeah, in some ways I was kind of, um, there was like some kind of restraint or oppression mm-hmm. for me to want to like experience adventure. And so I guess another thing is, um, so in Filipino culture, like, so I have a mole on my foot. And so I have multiple moles on my feet. And so my parents would be like, Sige, you like to go out a lot? La cuacha, la cuacha. Or like, what you know, does like, that mean? It's like having moles on my feet, I guess, means that I like to go out. Like, I like to be social. Or I, I like to do things. Okay. Yeah. I got one on my toe. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably, that's probably why you are always going to L.A. Um, well, right? Right? <laughs> anyway, how many you got? <laughs> I think, like, two on one foot. So is that, on like, one foot. when they say that, is that, like, a negative thing? Or is that, like, a premonition to how your life is? Ooh. I wonder if it's, like, a little bit of both. So, because, like, my parents only ever trusted me in the company of other Mormons that, like, mm. whenever there was, like, a church activity, I would be like, yes, let me go. Like, and they would be fine with it. So, you know, I would go to the steak dances. The, the once a month, the like, the oh dance. my gosh. I'm so um, intrigued. I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> well, it's not that kind of a steak. It's like steak oh. as in like the area is how like Mormon churches are, uh, how they're divided into areas. I just pictured a bunch of white oh, people with pitchforks. No, 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 no. So like, yeah, okay. like it's once, it's a Saturday once a month where it's like going to a club, but it's like, oh, in, clean. it's hella clean. And like, it's like... Yeah, so like the music, so like there's music and it's it's kind of like a middle school dance. Okay, but it's like all throughout high school. Okay, all throughout middle and I think it's like from the age of fourteen up to eighteen when you're, because once you're not in high school anymore, then you're like that's the cutoff for these steak dances. So that was like the only way that I can like go to a dance and like see my friends or like go on these church trips. Like that's, um, that was my social life. I have a question. So, as you're, you congregate a lot with other, you know, Mormon churchgoers, were there other Filipinos at this church community? Oh my gosh. So, let me break it down for you. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I grew up in Northern California um, in the Vallejo, American Canyon, mm-hmm. Napa area. So, there, there, in which there are a lot of LDS folks in that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's a temple in Oakland not too far away. Um, so, that will give you an indication of where. Wherever you see a temple, you know that there's going to be a ton of Mormons okay. nearby. So, uh, the congregation that I grew up in was predominantly white. I think, like, me, my family was, like, maybe one of, like, two other families who wow. were Filipino or non-white. Um, and so, there was a point where they wanted to restructure the area so that there was a Tagalog-speaking hmm. congregation and a Spanish-speaking congregation. Wow. Which only lasted for maybe like six months something like that that? i think that this is my theory i think that uh all the other white folks thought it was too exclusionary because these like cultural bonds were very strong so 
in the Filipino branch, we saw a lot of, um, what is it called when, cho- when folks join the church? There were a lot of uh, baptisms and there were a lot of... Um, like converts? Yeah. Oh. So, so we had a ton of converts. And I, I think maybe the Spanish-speaking branch also had a ton of converts, but it's because, you know, you have missionaries that speak Tagalog and speak Spanish, and you have, like, you just see yourself. And they look your, like you. Yeah, you see, yeah. well, the missionaries were not. Okay, okay. So, like, that's another thing. It's another layer oh. of, like, a novelty is where you have, like, these white folks speaking Tagalog and then convincing you to join this church. And it's convincing that's because it looks so welcoming with Tagalog. Yeah, yeah, so it's, so... What was the question? So it, ended, <laughs> so, wait, so it ended into six months, and then they were just like, we're done. It's, it was a nice trial. Yeah, it was a nice try, but I think that we're going to have to integrate everyone together I so can. that it's not so divided by ethnicity. Wow. Which, I don't know, I think folks were feeling a type of way. And then so then after that, like, we went back to our respective wards, but... You just saw like the Filipinos, new converts, just not go back. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It does make yeah. sense. Like you cut off access. You know, you make things inaccessible, and then it's just like, well, I don't know how else to integrate because I'm already assimilating to like this society enough as it is. Right. You know, if I had a chance, guess not. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I and I also think that just as like non-white people. Like, to find someone like you in a room where it's heavily white or in a space that's very predominantly white is, like, comforting. Yeah. So, and I think, I would also say that, like, Filipinos love camaraderie. Yeah, we do. A lot. Like, we like to get together. Like, right now. My mom will be in the parking lot, and all of a sudden, she'll, like, say, like, oh, I, I, oh give me a second. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, where are you mom, from? <laughs> and also, my mom will be like sitting in the parking lot with this person for twenty minutes and get their number. Their new best friends. Yeah, it's, I, I do kind of like that aspect. I like, love it too. Gets me a few discounts at the, <laughs> the uh, nearby <laughs> restaurant because we always act like everyone's a friend. That's kind of nice. My mom thinks she can always get a discount at the Filipino. <laughs> it starts to be a hustle. Like, they start, yeah, like, yeah, asking, yeah. and you don't even really know. I think that's when you, well, I think you can tell when it's a hustle. <laughs> at, like, maybe five minutes in. <laughs> but, uh... She can, oh, yeah. Yeah, no. But I guess that's what we did. That's how we <laughs> yeah. knew each other. That's how we saw each other in a room, and we're like, hey. Hey. Hey, man. Hey. We should do things. <laughs> so my next question is, after, you know, from how old you are now, looking back, what is some wisdom you've arrived at with um, your experience, your philam experience? Okay. Um, many shit. <laughs> <laughs> do we have all day? Just kidding. <laughs> um, not kidding. Um, words of wisdom? Or wisdom that I've arrived at. I guess maybe, like, self-realizations. Like, therapy is great. Yes. I would encourage folks to go to therapy if they have access to it. Um, Because I think it's one thing to have, like, your friends, like, support you. Um, But I think if maybe you really have things that you really need to work on, uh, paid, a third-party paid professional is probably the best way to go. Um... You know, going off of that, I was before we came to the interview today, I saw an article on Facebook about decolonization among Filipinos, and it was saying that Filipino women in the San Diego um, County are the highest um, suicide rate in high school. From That was coming mm. from the CDC. 
That's messed up. Yeah. So, um, and therapy, they said, helps the decolonization process. So, which can be really hard, you know, in like a Filipino household. Like, typically, it's like any. I feel like this is this speaks multitudes to other communities for people of color and immigrants who are being told like not to go seek out these resources mm -hmm. or these institutions to address that like mental health aspect and therefore like there's why like sometimes you find like these dysfunctional families or like why you see these patterns of like abuse or cycles that continue to per like to pervade our space yeah. you know and then it's, it's like how do we and like this is something that my mom kind of like really threw in my face one day was like and I said this in the previous episode where she told me like I want to understand because I'm American you know like I want to understand the Filipino aspect and like I feel I, I think about that a lot being a second generation having to navigate that between what values do I hold on to within my culture and what values do I hold on to growing up in a in like an admittedly privileged like you know country you right. know be, to be even able to like get to study or think about these like peaking or like you know interesting topics that really call to question the structures within our own cultures right you know it's so layered when your mom calls you american because it's like wait i come from you does this have an like a statement about how you brought me up or am i so rebellious i just it's so layered and it's like and it still sticks that comment happened quite a few weeks ago and it still yeah. kind of resonates with you it does and like for me i'm like i'm i want i want to know nicole like how do you navigate your identity within that you know because like from your journey with like you know religion like the church with your own family and like like ma navigating those relationships with your like friends and your like your, your siblings like how how does that really truly inform the experiences of you being like Filipinx in America um I would say that like really centering yourself and and being committed to your own healing mm -hmm. is important because trauma is generational for sure like mm -hmm. I and there are things that I used to like would resent about my parents like the how they don't understand what I'm doing in in school or why I want to be in you know why I want to do gender and sexuality studies like they don't they don't under they can't comprehend why why that would be appealing to me given that I could just be like in the medical industry and make like three figures and be fine, right? Because mm -hmm. if you make three figures, there's nothing else in your life that's right. going to make you unhappy. So I think thinking about where my parents came from really helps um, to... So thinking about how... So they both have college educations. Wow. Um, so like I, you know, I come from um, like an educated family. Like, like, and so here's another thing is that, and I th I'm skipping around, but it's all gonna come together. Mm -hmm. So I had a really hard time in elementary school, high school. Like I almost didn't graduate, which is hilarious because now I'm like, you're a scholar. I'm kind of like on track to go to <laughs> yeah, grad school, PhD. right? School, PhD. Right. Wow. So it's kind of hilarious, but. I, I saw an article about children and um, anxiety, mm -hmm. and I definitely have that. Like, I'm an anxious person, and I think that my reluctance to go to school was part of that. Um, 
but I think that my mom read it as me being lazy. And so, oh, she, you know, she would say, like, walang bobo sa familia ko. Like, we don't have stupid people, that which is, is such a, like, what, like a very ableist thing to say. Right. Um, but to, like, like, not think of that. So, um, yeah, to say that, like, we don't have gay people in our family. We don't have, mm. like, stupid people in our family. Like, so that, like, hits me, uh, like, both sides right. of my brain. Um, but I think that maybe for her, because we're, we are privileged and we have access to, like, really reflect on what good mental health is for us and, like, non-toxic forms of communication, like, like we can do that because we didn't grow up in a time where, like, you had to get an, eight, an education so you could leave the country, be, right. a country mm-hmm. that's, like, under military dictatorship and if you dissented just a bit you could die. Right. So, like, I think about that a lot. Is like, social science is not important to my parents because for them it was, like, getting a trade and getting right. the F out of the Philippines so that they didn't have to, like, navigate Marcos, you know? So, like, I think about that a lot, and um, I, I just try not... I don't argue with them. Hmm. Like, uh, so my parents didn't go to my wedding, right. and while that is, like, hurtful for me, they... I think that's... So they finally met my wife. <laughs> I have to do it. I have to do it because she likes it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like, she's into that. Um, so, but so they finally met, and they were very excited to meet her. Yeah, and Whoa. and were very nice to her. Um, I didn't know how the rest of my family, because so I had like other relatives over at my parents' house at the same time, and they. It was really interesting to see how they tried to, like, interact with her or not interact with her. It was just very interesting. But I think my parents are doing the best that they can with what they know. I see. And so that's why I really try not to fight with them. And, like, so I don't have very deep discussions with with them. And our relationship is very surface level. But I, I am okay with that because... Um, I'm not going to change them and their, like, conservative religious it philosophy. It back to that thing that we talked about in previous yeah. episodes about, it's like, when you confront people about these social, like, issues or, like, questioning these, like, social structures and people just shut down or, like, yeah. or they just reject it or, like, you know, they just, like, people cannot either handle it and then it fractures relationships, especially when you're the one in the family who has to, like go ahead and like be like well that's problematic and now then you become the black sheep right you know figuratively in family so, i think it's really cool that you humanize the entire growth process of everyone who is involved um usually it's really easy to you know they're terrible people so um another thing you know for our listeners there may be a listener who may identify with majority of the identities that are intersecting um what's some advice you can give to them I guess be true to yourself, honestly. Like, it's a disservice to the folks around you if, uh, mm. like, you. I don't. I just. I, I just want folks to take care of themselves. Really, at the end of the day, I'd like to hang out too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I just. I really to not stop learning, um, and you know, knowledge is. Knowledge and knowledge production um, exist outside of academia, so don't think that you have to mm-hmm. get, like, a college education to, like, learn some things. Um, 
and to yeah to keep growing to problematize the mm. things that um, things that you enjoy I, I like to problematize pop culture That's so that, that leads to my next question what is your overall dream for you and your community oh um, I, I like this question a lot because um, if you can't envision like liberation then you're not going to attain it I can't remember who says that but um, so for sure um, capitalism is dead and it's so it's kind of <laughs> utopic what I'm envisioning okay so capitalism is dead and um, police is not a thing either so like demilitarization mm-hmm. and no police in a community quote-unquote policing can be a thing and restorative justice for sure mm-hmm. is a thing in my utopia um, access to health care and yes. and that's like that's so you know that's like not just happy pills, but also yeah. like um, like uh, going to the dentist and yeah. and getting There's getting your blood work done. Blood work is a big deal. I, and yeah, I think like once you hit a certain age, you're like, I gotta get my blood work done. Like, so so warning for you um, as a youngin. Um, yeah, to to love yourself and to um, oh, thank you. Love yourself. Okay. Love everyone. Well, just made me remember like my $800 crown that installed. So I want to thank you for being on the show and really laying down a lot of things that I'm still learning about our friendship, about each other, about our identities. Is there anything left you want to say to Nicole before we sign off? I just wanted to say I really appreciate you coming on the show and like giving us your experience because talking about those experiences especially when it came to like the upbringing of like religion in the household like mm-hmm. that shit is complicated and like yeah. it can be it can be very I don't know why I wanted to say titillating because that's not the word <laughs> it can be very strenuous and like hard I, I think maybe it's also like it's triggering for us yeah exactly. and then yeah. when you can find other folks who you can talk about it with it's comforting so yeah Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You are going to come again. Uh, duh. <laughs> we can't get rid of each other. There's more, there's more questions I have. There's, there's, it's another topic. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. Yes. See it. <laughs> and if you have questions for us after listening to this, be sure to DM us at brujabaddies at gmail.com. So this is Jean. I'm signing off. And this is Rose. Um, and we are still magically disappointing our parents. So <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.